0: These sons are forever tethered to His Father's love. I like the word tether, but when I looked it up, it actually doesn't sound that great. It normally refers to an animal tied up to a wall or to a post, and they can't go anywhere. But I feel God gave me this word because the part of it that we should get is that it will never let you go. You are free to move, yes, but His love is for always tethered to you. God will never fall out of love with you. Even if you don't believe in Him, love Him back, His love will never end Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. I love Sundays. I love getting together and doing this. This is so cool. (laughs) I really enjoy it. All right. So just for those who are joining us, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a while, just to, I won't do the whole catch up you must please go to one of the previous messages to do that but we have been we're in a big series from the beginning of the church which is in line with our values encounter god align with his purposes reign in life help others to do the same when we started we spoke about encounters with god then we went into alignment and this is actually still part of the bigger alignment series where we started talking about our foundations What should our biblical faith foundations be as a church? What are we actually standing on when I say the words, I am a Christian, I am a believer? What does that mean? Because the world has a very specific idea. Some people who call themselves Christians have a very specific idea. But then there's what the Bible says. And we try to do that. And now we're talking about how those foundations are supposed to, to impact our lives on all the levels we're talking about. And we started talking about identity, and we went into purpose. And then I felt God say to us, just hold on for a moment, Hawkeye, because we need to establish first how much He loves us as Father God, and the fact that He is a Father, and what does that mean? So last week, we spoke about your Heavenly Father, and how many times Jesus referenced your heavenly father as he was teaching on the sermon of the mount and in other places and this week i felt god still wanting us to just stay in this place where we discover his father heart because i just keep getting this sense that we don't get it yet we don't get it yet there's a lot of it that is just head knowledge many of us grew up in some kind of Christian environment growing up and we have heard the words Jesus loves you maybe many times. Some people have never heard it in their lives and when they hear it the first time that is the thing that changes them. But not because they hear the words, it's because they have a revelation of what those words mean. And for me today, I really sense that God wants us to get something of how much he loves us and how his love works. So, I know we have the kids with us, and it may be a little challenging on that level, but I also want to speak to the kids, and I want you to know that this is very important for all of us to get, and when, I want to say it again, when, the, when Paul and John, and I think even Peter, when they spoke, when they wrote in the Bible to the people in churches, they would say to them, little children, or dear children, Jesus said, believe like a child. He said that the kingdom belongs To these ones the children so you guys have to know that as children you actually get stuff that we have forgotten just how to believe just how to believe without question Jesus loves you okay it's settled God loves you and has a plan for your life okay I take it that is faith like a child so I want to say to the children today you need to teach us how to believe because you still believe the way God wants us to believe in, okay? So, we're going to talk about today, the message is called Tethered to the Father's Love. Just show them that picture. I tried to create an image where we can see how we are connected to the love of the Father. And just now, I'm going to try to do a demonstration where I want to take that idea further And if you take anything away from today, I hope that it would be this, this picture and the picture I'm going to show you just now of how God's love works. So let's establish a few things. All right. God the Father loves each and every one of us. He loves you, 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 everyone, and nothing can separate you from that love. We are tethered to the Father's love. It never stops. It never ceases. He is our Father whether we accept Him as our Father or not. He still loves us. He created us and therefore He is our Father. Accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior is the key to having a relationship with the Father and through that having access to eternity with Him. Jesus is that key. Whether we choose Jesus, as the key to the Father, or not, doesn't change the fact that God loves us. Do you get that? God will draw us near, sorry, God will draw near to us if we draw near to Him. He will run to us, actually, when we draw near to Him. But it's a choice we have to make. So last week we established through many, many scriptures... Who remembers all the scriptures? There were a lot. <laughs> and I, but I wanted, to st- I wanted you to see that this is so clear from scripture, that Jesus came to reveal God as father, and that God is a father. If you missed that message, please go and watch it or listen to the podcast. Today, I want us to see how this father in heaven loves us, and that nothing can separate us from his love. But we will also see that stepping into a relationship with Him and having access to eternity with Him is wrapped up in a decision and a commitment that we need to make. Are you with me? That's where we want to go. All right. I will first want to establish two truths from Scripture, which I already have mentioned, but I want to show you that I'm not making it up, that it is in the Word of God, and Just let me say this again. We are a Bible-believing church. The Word of God, for us, is the most important authority. Okay. So we believe what the Word says. If my feelings don't line up with the Word of God, there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. There's something wrong with my feelings. Okay. So the first truth is, He loves us. Can everybody say that? He loves us. Let's say Jesus loves me. Okay, John 3, from verse 14 to 17. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the famous verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Him should not perish, should not die, That is eternal death, but have everlasting life with God in heaven. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. All right? So does God love us enough to save us? Okay? All right. The next truth, nothing, is how we say it in South Africa, nothing can separate us from his love. Say nothing. Nothing. Say, nothing can separate us from His love. Romans 8, verse 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, that's when you don't have food, or nakedness, that's when you don't have clothes, or peril, that's all kinds of trouble, or sword, when violence comes against you, as it is written, for your sake, We are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you know what is a conqueror? It's someone who wins a battle or overcomes something and he's won. So what is more than an overcomer? Does anyone know? I once heard a pastor say, more than an overcomer, what do you say? What's more than a conqueror? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell us now. Alright. Conqueror. Anyway, this, this scripture says we are more than conquerors through Christ against us. I want to pause to say that if you think of a of a boxer who battles in, in the in the um, boxing ring, thank you. Then if he when he wins, he walks out of the ring but he's battered and bruised and he's bloodied. And he takes his his winning belt and the money that he won. And what does he do? He gives it to his wife. His wife is more than a conqueror. (laughs) Anyway, maybe that helps you. Let's, Let's carry on. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are conquerors by His love. For I, Paul, am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate you. All right. Now I want us to look at a very well-known story in the Bible. It's one that you've probably heard many, many times. But I believe God is going to break open something to us that you may have never heard before or never had a revelation about. So I want you to to, to tell your spirit being to wake up and focus, all right, if he or her is not woken yet. We're going to look at the story of the so-called prodigal son. The Bible actually doesn't call it the story of the prodigal son. We call it that because there's one line where it says, He went into a nation and did prodigal living. But it means to be reckless or wayward. I'm going to read the story from from top to bottom, one way through. I'm going to try not to start preaching midway. And then I'm going to go back and we're going to work through the story. And first, I'm going to do a demonstration. And then I'm going to try to help us see what God has shown me. All right. So let's read together from Luke 15. 11 to 32. Now, what is happening is Jesus is teaching. He had just finished a story. He, the Bible calls it parables. Does anyone know what a parable is? A parable is a story using things that people know in their context. So Jesus always used examples of things that people would know about. So he told a story about a, a lost coin. Someone that lost a very valuable coin and how they found it. That they didn't stop looking until they found it. Then he told the story about the lost sheep. Has anyone heard the story about the lost sheep? So the the shepherd had a hundred sheep and one went away. And he went and looked for the one. And when he found it, he brought it back. This all speaks about the love of God for the one. One coin. One sheep. And now we're going to talk about the lost son but I hope that you'll see with me that there's actually two lost sons in this story. All right, let's read it together. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. Then he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. There's no argument. Can you see that? The father does what the child asks. And not many days after, So shortly after he got what he wanted, he gathered everything together and journeyed to a far country. He left his father, he left his home, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living or reckless living. But when he had spent it all, so there was nothing left, okay, when he had spent it all, there arose a severe famine. That means there was no food, no water. It was a terrible time, like a drought in that land. And he began to be in want. He hit rock bottom. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I'm dying of hunger. I will arise and go to my dad and my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, And he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him home safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore the father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to the father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. That means have a bit of a party with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What a story. Jesus is telling this parable, a story of illustration, in the context of, pe- of speaking to people about the kingdom of God. Lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. Before we go on, I want to show you something. Simeon, come So I, this looks great. It look a little, you know, overkill. But you'll hopefully see just now why I'm doing this. All right. So I am the father of this boy, literally. But I want you to imagine that I am the father in the story and also Father God. All right. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. He is beloved. He, I have a plan for his life. This thing around me and around him is my love. He is tethered, connected, bound by my love, to my love. Turn to me. All right. So this is a great place for a son to be, face to face with his father, tethered to his love. But what happens in the prodigal son story? The son takes what he wants turns around, and he starts walking away. Go, 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 go. Now, he is going. And what is happening? The Father's love is still around him. And there's a constant pull of the Father's love. Now, I want you to imagine that this thing can stretch as far as it needs to stretch. We are obviously limited right now with how far this can go. But in your imagination, I want you to see that God's love will extend to wherever you go and hit rock bottom. And you'll still feel the pull. You will still know my Father's house is a safe place. The love of my Father is still pulling me back. So when you come to yourself, come to your senses, and you return, the love is still there. And you are brought home. Amen? Well done. Give him a big hand. Well done, Jim. Did that help any of you to understand the love of God? Okay, awesome. Thank you, Juju. Jesus told this parable, a story for illustration. As I said, the father in the story is obviously God the father. The son is the people of God, the Israelite people. But through Jesus, also all of us who believe. So Jesus was speaking to Jews about a Jewish, in a Jewish context, but he was also speaking to all of us who would come to Christ. But I want you to know that Since God created all of mankind, all people, He is the Father of all who are on earth. And He loves the whole world and doesn't want anyone to perish. We saw that from the Word. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? God loves everybody. Do you really believe that? So His love as Father extends to all, whether believers or non-believers. Now keep that in mind as we read the parable again and analyze it. Something that my friend Ade, who preached here two weeks ago, he taught me. He says, you know how in contracts or in uh, when you have to get insurance and you get these documents with all these little fine prints everywhere, and when you want to claim, they, they refer to one of those clauses, right? <laughs> and they say, why they can't pay you back? Now, there's a saying in the world, the devil is in the details, for contracts. Because if you don't know the details, you know, you can get into trouble. Then he said to me, in the word of God, the blessing is in the details. And we need to look closer. Have Don't just read the story, stop and pray. Let's meditate on the word of God. And I want you to, when you have your own quiet time, and please don't ever think that coming to church is your for the, for the week. your little bit of food for the week. No. This is a place where, yes, we get together. We, we hear what God is saying. But all of us, every day, should be in His Word and in His presence. Okay? Because God wants to speak to you. And when you do, don't just read it to get through it. Meditate on the Word of God. Even if you take one verse and you just say it over and over again. Okay, so that's what we're going to try and do. We're going to meditate on God's Word. Keep in mind, as we read this, that the blessing is in the detail. And also keep in mind that Jesus told this in order for people to understand the kingdom of God and the father heart of God. This is what he was trying to do. The father in the story has two sons. He loves them both. He cares for them and he takes care of them. He provides shelter and food and they are in a relationship with him. Do you agree when you read the story? Okay. Okay. He has many servants, and he seems to be a wealthy man, a rich man, who's got a large estate. Would you agree with that? Two of you, okay. I want you to imagine that his love for his sons is like this rubber band that I just showed you. It goes around his waist and theirs, and it stretches wherever the sun may go. But it can never never snap, never break. You got that picture, I think, Okay. We are forever tethered, these sons are forever tethered to his father's love. Now, I like the word tether for the picture that it gives me. But when I looked it up, it actually doesn't sound that great. It normally refers to an animal tied up to a wall or to a post. They are tethered to that post and they can't go anywhere. <laughs> but I feel God gave me this word because... The, the part of it that we should get is that it will never let you go. You are free to move. Yes. But His love is for always tethered to you. God will never fall out of love with you. Even if you don't believe in Him, love Him back, trust Him, His love will never end. Okay? Okay? Do we believe that? Nothing will change or take away his love. And it's confirmed by the scriptures you read earlier. Now, the, the story begins with the youngest son coming to the father. And he asks for the portion of goods that fall to him. In other words, he knows that he is entitled to an inheritance. He knows this. And you normally only receive an inheritance when someone dies, right? Would you agree with that? The father's reaction is kind of unexpected. And I think Jesus was expecting this to be unexpected to his audience. Because to a Jewish person, this whole scene would seem very weird and foreign. The kind of request would be considered rude, highly disrespectful, and a tantamount to the son saying to his father, you are dead to me. And note that the father saying at the end that his son was dead and lost keep that in mind. Now the father the Bible says the father divides his livelihood to both sons. It doesn't say he argued or tried to convince the child not to do it or that he was angry and that he disowned the boy. How many people if they if they are wealthy and their children come to them and say I want what's mine now will get a good reaction from the dad? <laughs> Probably not. But we know by now that the kingdom of God works in a whole other way. Now, just a few days later, it says the boy leaves with what he got. And he basically went to the fun city, or sun city, or some kind of place, far away from his family. And he just started partying. Good weather friends. He made a lot of good weather friends while he had money. People wanted to be his friend. He <laughs> hung out with him while he had money. And they were only his friends while he could keep the party tab running. But the but Bible says he wasted his possessions. So he, it's not like he went and invested it all and had a plan. His plan was to just go and have fun and do what he wanted to do with what was actually his father's. He squandered it. He used it for the wrong purpose. So he took his inheritance and abused it. It was rightfully his, but he had no idea how to use it properly. And his timing was way off. When it was all finished, when it was all gone, at the same time, a famine arose in that faraway party land. Suddenly, no food, no water. It's going bad with everybody. Almost like the place was hit by a market crash or some kind of pandemic. <clears throat> but note, he had already lost it all before the famine broke. He was broke before the famine broke. The famine just did what? Make it worse. So he was facing two things, his own bad decisions, the consequences of his own bad decisions, and what was happening in the world that he had no control over. Both came upon him. Has anyone ever felt like that? (laughs) Maybe it's just me, okay? So he hit a rock bottom out of his own decisions, and then he thought he was at bottom, but then the bottom opened up and it got worse because of things out of his control. Has anyone felt that before? I have. Then it says he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He joined himself. Have you ever thought of those those two words? What happens when you join yourself to someone else, and then the next thing says you are working for them as a slave, and they give you nothing? You've become a slave. You have sold yourself to someone else. He joined himself to someone from another nation, to another father, But it's not a good father. What does the Bible call the redeemed ones, the saved ones, or the believers? The Bible calls us citizens of heaven. He came from his father's land, where he's a citizen, went to another country, and he joined himself to a citizen of that nation. He was trying to change his heritage. He was trying to change his inheritance and where he comes from. But when we are in Christ, we belong to heaven. We are from heaven, and heaven is our home. Heaven is our heritage. But if we forget that and turn away from that and join ourselves to something else, there are consequences. The son's original citizenship was established by his father in the land from which he came and where the son was born. But the son left out of his own choice. And when the poor boy hit the fan, he gave up his citizenship and joined that of another. So he renounced his original identity and purpose. And out of desperation and hunger, like Esau, he basically sells himself as a slave to another person from another nation. This citizen represents a bad father, a dysfunctional father, a father of lies, a father of abuse, a father that does not love. To the Jew, pigs or swine is an unclean animal. To touch it is to become unclean, which means you can't communicate with God. You can't go into the temple. You can't do any religious activity. He is between them. And he actually wants what they have. That is how far his life has gone down the drain. There's a rock bottom, and then there's another rock bottom, and now there's a third rock bottom. He's between the pigs. It means you cannot enter the presence of God. You cannot enter the assembly of the people of God when you have been called uncleaned. This boy renounced his father, bound himself as a slave to another father figure, and allowed himself to become unclean physically and spiritually. In a Jew's mind, there's no way this boy can ever go back to his father and to the the way things were. And I think to most of us in our normal world, we would think the same. Who would give this boy another chance if he has done all of this? Very few people. And then we get these very important six words. It says, But when he came to himself. But when he came to himself. What does that speak of? It's a moment of revelation. A moment of repentance. What was our very first foundation we discussed in our foundation series? Who remembers? I gave it away. Repentance. (laughs) As he's sitting in the lowest of low points hungry dirty between the pigs suffering he he suddenly realizes no one spoke to him no one read a bible to him god didn't speak to him he comes to this realization by himself he knows instinctively that he has sinned he calls it sin what he has done himself He realized that the servants in his father's house live better than he lives right now. And this revelation, this repentance didn't just stay a thought or an idea. It turned into action. Who knows that just having a realization doesn't mean much. You actually have to do something about it. It's like having an idea. It's great. Maybe it's a great idea. But until you actually make it a reality, it's just an idea. Now, I want you to go back to the picture of the father's love being like a rubber band around this boy. Always there, always pulling, even when the love was unrequited. I did a message a couple of months ago called Unrequited Love. And we talked about how God loves us always, but many times it's unrequited, which means he's not receiving our love back, but he's always giving his love. It ties in beautifully with this moment right here. The father's love for his son is not returned he loves his son he wants to give his son everything but the son's love is not returned because what the son is doing is not love right it's selfish and it hurts the father the son had a revelation of how much better his life is with the father but now he prepares himself and he's he's, he's getting the speech ready and the speech is designed to just get him into the door of the servants quarters He's not trying to come back as a son. He thinks he's lost that chance. He thinks, I can never go back and be a son. I can only be a servant. But at least that's better than being between the pigs. So what is he doing? He's actually coming back to his father with a half revelation. And he's approaching him as an orphan or a servant, not as a son. It is only a revelation so far of how his dad can provide To a servant. It's not a revelation yet of how the father loves his son so much that he will take him back as a son, not as a servant. No downgrading necessary. The son has made this decision. He's come to himself. He arises and he starts walking back. He's tired. He's malnourished. He feels ashamed, guilty, foolish. He's probably very dirty and smells. And he may may probably feel like he deserves all of the stuff that's happening to him and that he's probably going to get the speech of his life from his dad. But he just wants to go back. And as he's walking, I want you to imagine as he's walking, he's he's memorizing the speech, what he's going to say to his dad. He wants to be ready when he gets there. Then in verse 20, we read, He arose and came to his father. He stood up from the mud, the filth, the uncleanness. He stood up from the consequences of his own decisions and sins. He stood up from what that citizen from that far off land did to him, abusing him. He stood up from all of that and put it behind him and started to walk away from it all. He walked away from all that stuff. And he walked towards his father. Once again, the picture of repentance. The rest of verse 20 is epically beautiful. But when he was still a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. How beautiful. A loving father running to his son who was a great way off. How would he know that his son was a great way off? He must have been waiting and watching for that moment knowing that his love that is tethered to his son is always there and that the pool would hopefully finally bring him back it's surprising it's amazing and especially to the jewish audience that jesus was speaking to and definitely to the religious leaders how may who may have been listening How can this father run and kiss this wayward son who wasted all his money and position? How could he do this? How could he respond in such a way? In that culture, it was disrespectful for a man of his stature to run. And and also to, to express love in such a passionate way. Imagine your father falling on your neck and kissing you. For some of us, that's a weird concept. Because we never had that. Maybe you never had a father that hugged you, kissed you, told you he loves you. It speaks of God, of the father being passionate, of him being emotional, and expressing his love. Can you see that? Some of you still don't get it. After this, the son... Now, he's been kissed, but can you imagine? He knows I'm dirty, I've messed up, I'm so wrong, and he's doing this, and I'm already a little overwhelmed, but I've I've got this speech that I'm going to tell you now. I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he never gets to the part where he says, please take me back as a servant, because the dad interrupts him. And before he says, let me be a servant, the father shouts to the servants, it says, bring the best robe, bring the ring, bring the sandals, get the fatted calf. Let's have a party because my son was dead and now he's alive. Can you see that the father's love didn't die when his son died? Can you see it? This is huge. He was lost like the coin and the sheep, but God kept looking, kept waiting kept pulling back till he found it this is so powerful now they're getting this party ready and this the son is expecting to maybe get in as a servant but he's welcomed as a prince and there's a party (laughs) i mean just imagine that moment can you imagine Having all this guilt, all this shame, God can never love me again. I can never be a son in the house, a daughter in the house again. How could God take me back? Look at my sin. Look at my past. Look at my brokenness. And God is saying to each and every one of us today, my love is greater than any of that stuff. And we need to know that. And I just know that that son must have walked into that love and be so overwhelmed by that love that he would never want to go back to prodigal living. The love of God has the power to make us not want to sin again. That is what grace is. Grace is the empowerment to not live a life of sin anymore. It's not giving us an excuse to do what we want. That's not love. This is love. I want to get to the fact that I said earlier, I think there are two lost sons in this story. There's the prodigal son, and then there's what I want to call the religious son, the second boy, the older one. The one who thought he needed to do everything right in his own strength. How many of us is guilty of that? I'm going to do everything right in my strength in order to win the approval of the father. And that his father should just know to give him a goat every now and again. So if, if I get something from my dad every now and again, I'll know that he sees all my hard work and all my effort trying to please him. And if, if this is a situation of not a good father, but a father that's unaware or disconnected from his son, I think many people fall in that category. Always trying to please the dad, but never getting that approval that they want. But here the son has decided he doesn't get the approval he deserves. Do we see that? So we can see that even this son was aiming low. He, 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 his brother just got a fattened calf, and he's jealous of that. But what does he say to his dad? You don't even give me a goat. Now, how many people, I don't know the exact thing, but I'm guessing a goat is not as much worth as a fattened calf. <laughs> So he was aiming low for what he could expect from his dad. Working like a slave in his own strength, not knowing what he has in his father. And so he resented the father because he didn't get even something small for all his hard work. Can you see that both of these sons miss the love of the father, the father's heart? They both miss it. Listen to verse 31 to 32. And he said to him, "He's now the father speaking to the older son. Son, you are always with me. What does that speak of? You will always be my son. You will never leave me. I will never leave you. And listen to this. All that I have is yours. In the beginning of the story, it says he divided his livelihood into two. But what he's actually saying here is that all that I have is yours. Everything in my kingdom belongs to you as my son. It was right that we should make Mary a be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I think here he's also appealing to the son. Say, can you just see that this is a miracle that he came back? Well, we can even see that the older brother doesn't really love his younger brother. And how many times do we in the Christian church have this problem? Looking at another church or another believer, and going like, well, I'm I'm here every Sunday. I help back up the chairs, and look at this guy. He just rocks up and gets saved, and what, he's going to heaven? How does that work? We must be careful not to be either of these sons, because we can, if we are not vigilant, we can fall into either of these categories. There are so many important truths in these sentences. And, and we need to look at it closely. The blessing is in the detail. The father lovingly corrects the religious son and point out that it was right to celebrate because he was dead and lost, but now he's alive and found. The father is acknowledging that the prodigal son was dead. He, he's acknowledging that what he, was, what he did was wrong and had consequences. He's not saying, I love him, And therefore, I excuse what he did. He's acknowledging that what he did had a consequence. And this, I believe, speaks of an eternal death in the sense of being lost when we choose not to be in a relationship with God through accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But when he repented, when he came to himself and took action to leave the sin and brokenness and go to the Father, everything changed. Everything changed. God looks into our hearts He looks at the intention of your heart. You can even repent on the outside to people, but God will know if you really repented, if you really made a change. Did the father mention the son's sins when he came back? Did he tell him he would need to work very hard to earn back his trust? And that he once again, before he can be considered for the will again? No. The son's true heartfelt, direction-changing repentance did all of that and prompted compassion from the Father. This is the heart of our Heavenly Father as well. You need to know that whether you are an unbeliever, you don't believe in Jesus, you've never taken Him as your Lord and Savior, or if you are a Christian, you've given your life to Christ, but you've chosen to go off what you know is right, that His love will always be there. But His love, without you responding to His love, will not get you to eternal life with Him. Amen? I sense that we need to start landing this plan. This is the heart of our Father. When He sees true repentance, He has only grace to give. The Bible teaches that God gives law to the proud and grace to the humble. The law will humble us so that we can receive grace. The young son was humbled by the consequences of his choices and the circumstances beyond his control. The father's love extended above all of that and brought freedom, acceptance, and celebration. Can you see that? Do you feel like God owes you something? Does anyone here feel like God owes me something? You don't have to put up your hand, but if it's we may have all had this moment where we feel, listen, I've done this and I've done that and I should be getting this and this and this because I pray really hard and I trust really hard and I've suffered long enough, God. You owe me something. I, have you ever prayed and said, I deserve something? Anyone? You may be feeling like he's holding out on you. Do you. Have you ever looked at other believers and even people in the world and compare yourself and go, how come they have it so easy? I'm like, I'm suffering over here. How come they are doing so well? How come they can drive that car? I can't drive that car. Come on, Lord. Have you ever taken what God has given you, talents, opportunities, platforms, influence, and used it, or maybe you are using it for your own benefit, or knowingly squandering it by either not using it for its intended purpose, Or using it for selfish gain? Have you perhaps perhaps ended up on some kind of pigsty? The pigsty of bad decisions, toxic relationships, and the rock bottom of stubbornness towards God. Maybe you have decided to be a Christian. I want you to know that today there is a God. He created you and therefore He is your Father. Not only that, He loves you just as you are. He made you the way you are, so he loves you the way that you are. Nothing you can do or have done or will do can change his love for you. Nothing. It is unconditional. It is unrelenting. But in order to step into a relationship with him and experience the fullness of the love that is freely available, you need to make a decision and make it today. Make Jesus your Lord and Savior and surrender your life and will to Him. This gains you access to the Father and to eternal life with Him. That is what the good news is. There is a Father who loves you. You are His child. But whether you step into relationship with Him through Jesus is your choice. I want you to ask you to make that choice today. Maybe you have given your life to Jesus, but you know that in your heart you've strayed. You've moved away from this father heart. Maybe joined yourself to someone or something else that is not of heaven. Like the prodigal son joined himself to a citizen from another nation. Or that you're caught up in some selfish, self-destructive addiction or habit or relationship. Or you realize today you need to come to yourself and arise and go to the Father your Father in heaven, and this can be your moment to come home. Be set free from that guilt and that shame and that broken identity. Today can be that day. Whether you fall in the category of not ever having believed in Jesus and giving your life to Him, or maybe you're a backslider, like the Bible says, you may to some extent still struggle to know that God is your Father and that He truly loves you and that He wants you to do life with Him this can hinder us from living our lives to the full if we don't really get this. And to whatever extent we do not see him as a good father who loves us, to that extent we won't live completely like a son or a daughter in his house, but rather to that extent as a slave or a servant or an orphan. I want us to ask the Holy Spirit today to lead us all to to heal us in this moment. I'm going to lead us, those of us who have never given their lives to Christ. Maybe you thought you were a Christian. And today you realize, whoa, shucks, maybe I'm not. I, have, I don't know. Or maybe you have given your life to Christ, but you know that you're not where you're supposed to be. Maybe many things in your life is looking good on the outside, but you know deep down there's stuff that's not right. And today God wants us all to come to him humbly and say, Lord. I give it all to you. Thank you for loving me. I just want to be close to you. So let us stand, and we're going to pray this together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we humbly come to you in this moment. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the story. Lord, I I even just want to give... Personally, I just want to give you the sense in my heart that, that people still don't get it the way that I think you want them to get it. This frustration, I just want to lay it at your feet, Lord. It's not up to me. Lord, I, I, I brought this story from my own brokenness, knowing that I was the second son at some point in my life. And then I met you one Saturday night and I realized I knew stuff about you but I never knew you personally. And Lord, since then there have been many ups and downs where I strayed like the prodigal son. Where I came to you as an orphan. Where I didn't understand your father heart. And Lord, I just want to thank you that today I can stand here knowing that I am a son in your house. That you love me. That your love is forever tethered to me. And that I can always Just be with you. Lord, I pray right now that that love tether will pull strongly on every heart right now. And that to whatever extent someone is not saved and in a relationship with you or whether they have strayed from your will in some way, that you will draw them in, Lord. Draw them in right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place right now. Holy Spirit, just touch hearts, touch lives. Anoint people with your present presence. Bring breakthrough. Show us our blind spots, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. if you're here or online and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to pray this from the deepest part of your spirit being right now. We're all going to pray together. But if that is you and you are making that choice, I want you to please come to me afterwards. Say after me, Lord Jesus, today I choose to make you Lord and to make you Savior of my life thank you for dying on a cross for my sins thank you for forgiving me of all my sins and thank you for giving me eternal life I choose to follow you I choose to do your will and I lay my will down thank you Jesus hallelujah hallelujah if you have given your life to Christ at some point, but you know today that you either struggle to really know that He loves you, and because of that, there's a, there's a rebelliousness in some area of your life, a walking away, a running away to a foreign nation. I just want you to bring that to Him right now, and we're all going to pray this as well. Lord Jesus, today I choose to come home to come to you. Thank you for your love that never ends, that never leaves me. Today I choose to love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. And I give my life to you completely. Help me, Holy Spirit, to live for you every day in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know here or online. And if you need prayer for anything else, please come and ask us afterwards. Thank you for joining us for church. God loves you and will never stop loving you. Let's all love Him back. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Bye-bye.